welcome to episode 39 of the Wasting Time podcast. I'm one of your hosts as ever, Chris. I'm here with Nick. How's it going, Nick? I'm good, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Like, before we get into anything, I was just, uh, just wanted to say, because I, I was watching um, Finn McKenty, who's like the punk rock NBA, who has a channel on YouTube. I saw he, he said a thing recently about promoting your podcast, and he was talking about different ways to do it, like most of which we do, but there was one thing that stood out to me that we don't do so i'm just going to take this chance to speak to our listeners now like if if you're a regular listener to this podcast and you like what we do if you could like just share it on your own social media uh you know to try and spread the word a little bit that you know we hugely appreciate that and and when you do like tag us in it and tag whoever our guest is and we'll we'll certainly give you a shout out so sorry nick i just wanted to get that in at the start oh gotta be done yeah yeah for sure sure what's um you, you've been checking out any music recently um no no i haven't checked up much in the way of new music um i did I, just something i saw before that i don't know i know scars not too much up your street but a new documentary that's that tim armstrong's been working on um oh, yeah. about the kind of the 90s scar revival you know all that that era of i guess real big fish and lesson jake and the mighty boss tones and stuff like that um Tim Armstrong's work, well, released today, like a, a DVD. Um, which, oh, really? Which That's looks completely quite, passed me by. Yeah, it looks, looks like it might be quite cool. Just a bit of a, I guess, a nostalgia trip, I guess, really. Um, but there's all sorts of more current bands cameoing on it. Um, what? That sounds very and stuff cool. And no, no doubt. And yeah, um, yeah, it looks. Yeah, Tim Armstrong's narrating it, so I'm definitely going to um, have a look at that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you know what that's available on or anything? It's just it just says out. DVD and Blu-ray at the moment, but okay. Uh, apparently, they were doing um, they're doing a host of like local showings, I guess, in the US. Yeah, um, they did a load of showings on the summer summer festival circuit. They say, and they said it it went it went really well. So um, I'm sure sure there'll be some form of digital digital version of that before long it's not pick it up scar in the night it is yeah that's it yeah Yeah, pick it up yeah that's the one very cool yeah it does um but in terms of music yeah not not a massive amount um i did give that neck deep single a a listen that new stuff that they're doing oh yeah what do you think of that it's uh, they definitely seem to be going in a a bit of a new softer direction i guess have you heard it yeah yeah, I'd, it's gone I'd, a bit, I'd, I'd gone a bit Mayday today. Parade, which I don't know, maybe. maybe <laughs> oh, I don't, like I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd agree with that. It was kind of, <laughs> it sounded like to like me that. like they were. No, no, no. It's it's not. That I don't like that. It's just uh, to me. I thought they were trying to go for like a '90s Weezer kind of sound. Possibly. Yeah, well, I was thinking more kind of the Academy is kind of that kind of. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I guess what else. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the. Because they've announced a new album, so it'd be interesting to see. I'm sure I read something the other day that they they said they were taking it in like the whole record in a new direction. So it might right. be a, okay. might be a sign of a, a kind of a bit of change of sound. Um, I guess they have, uh, yeah, had a, a lot of success with what they were doing. I guess really. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, I don't know if you saw. Uh, I know you're excited about this one as well, but um, see, did you see? Machine Gun Kelly's little clip he posted on Saturday. No, I, I don't. Oh, it's literally just him sitting in the, in the studio with with Travis Barker, and it's ba- they're obviously just listening listening over um, some of the record, and it's like a, you just hear like a like a ten fifteen second oh, snippet yeah. of one of the, one of the tracks, um, and I think yeah, oh, I think right. you like it. It sounds really yeah, it sounds oh, really good. Definitely, I will listen um, to that after we've done this. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit bit out of touch. Otherwise, um, uh, you? I've been into the new Gasoline Heart album. I don't know if I've ever discussed that band with you. Did you know? Do you know them? They kind no. of. It's. No, I, I first knew of them because the singer's friends were Mike Herrera, and he's been on put guest vocals on an MXPX album before. But they're they're like an Americana kind of sound. So. Like okay. you know, slightly more country sounding. Um, but the guy is a really good songwriter, and I'd really recommend their new album, which is called Allergic to Wood. Got some really good songs on it. 
Um, another band who are making okay. a lot of waves right now are Hot Mulligan. I don't know if you've listened to them, but they've got an album out in the next couple of weeks and lots of people. I mean, because they're kind of like from the pop punk world, but like lots of indie people like them and stuff. So if you haven't listened to them. Hot Mulligan. Yeah. yeah. Interesting uh, name. Yeah, yeah. They've got some weird song titles as well, if you look back at their last album. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the the song that really so they've released three songs off their new album and the, the first one they put out a couple of months ago now uh, called feel like crab um it's, re- it's a really good song i think you'd like it um those are the main two Hello. things for me though oh um there was another all-time low song um very poppy but it's got it's got a very good hook it. on I've it. Seen it, but I listened it's to kind it. of a bit right, more back cool. to the pop punk sounding the pop punk kind of sound of all time though I tell you what I have been seeing quite a lot of recently. I know we've like talked about, um, I guess we usually talk about uh, Slam Dunk in terms of a festival. We're obviously going to the Manchester Punk Festival as well. But seen, seen a lot of this 2000 Trees Festival making a, bit, a lot of waves this year. Has that been on your yeah, radar Yeah, at it's all? been going for a few years. They, they normally get relatively yeah. big headliners, but it might have been growing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it looks... Cause it yeah, happens decent. in the summer, doesn't it? Yeah, um, mid July. Yeah, yeah, Cheltenham. Yeah, that's it. Um, I knew of it, but uh, obviously never was on my radar that much. I guess because of I don't, I don't know what the lineup looked yeah, like. Yeah, I mean it's always been the bit. It's been the main seems sort to of be building to slam dunk, really. Slam dunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you. I d- I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm not 100 percent sure where Cheltenham is. <laughs> it's like near Gloucester, isn't it? Like Midlands kind of area. But yeah, if you, I mean, I'm just looking back at some of the previous years. Like you've had people like Jimmy Eat World, Alkaline Trio, you me. Well, they're on this year, yeah. Or Alkaline Trio this year, are they? No, I j- oh, Jimmy no, Eat Jimmy World. Okay, I've, I've just like lots of. Oh yeah, I see. Oh yeah, they've got quite a few big names. They've got Get Up Kids on. Yeah, Get Up Kids are on as well. Might be interesting to see if there's any um, little UK runs um, off the back yeah, of that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the dates dates are like compared to like the likes of Slam Dunk whether it's a bit later than Slam Dunk yeah. so, is it? yeah possibly not it's quite early on in the year isn't it Slam yeah, Dunk yeah Slam Dunk's like, in May still it's end of May yeah yeah. cool anything else before we get into uh, yeah like uh, just last week you and I got into a brief discussion about the whole VI thing like we thought it'd be an interesting thing to have a quick debate on it It came up because I saw how What's that? sorry you broke up there a bit VIP thing yeah because you know I pointed so, out yeah. to you how Plain White Tees were playing in London at a small venue and they were they yeah, were selling yeah, yeah. the VIP package and you had thoughts on that and it's just, <laughs> it's just an interesting one because like you know lots of bands do that these days and I mean you kind of you kind of expected from like a band that are being t- tossed through like a big marketing machine yeah you know, on a major label who, you know, don't have that that connection and are particularly accessible um, just through the size of what, you know, the shows they're playing. And But when you see a band like fucking playing White Tees, yeah. playing a pub, but it is a pub, right, in London? Uh, it's essentially a pub, yeah. I mean, ch- it's, it's a live venue these days, but it is still a pub, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Charging for a VIP meet and greet package. Yeah. I'm sorry, like that's just just doesn't it just doesn't sit right yeah. with me. I yeah, know, I mean, I yeah, I know people have got to earn a living, and particularly if you're doing it in as a touring band in this day and age, when you've kind of you've you've you know you've obviously reached your peak, and you're not going to reach the the, the the big heights anymore. Because I I remember like you always get like Chris Rowe you know from the Ataris when he comes through town it, like he'll do that and it's just like come on who's who's who wants to pay like twenty five quid just to go and meet Chris Rowe in a pub before he plays in the same pub yeah. and then you still have to pay like fifteen twenty quid for a ticket for the normal show on top of that you know but uh, you know, and the reality is that and the disappointing part of it is. It is the, the the people going to those shows now for playing white tees or Chris Rowe or whoever are probably the people who have been there from since the beginning, yeah. who have followed them through all the years, who have paid you know bought their records, bought that bought t shirts, bought merchandise. Um, so you know, for me, it's like 
you're in you're in a place now where you should be accessible as a band to meet meet your fans again you know and yeah it just it's, yeah, it's a weird it one sit right with me you know? but, but like you say i suppose the you know the other the flip flip side is that uh, you know it's about these guys making money and it's harder for for bands to make money these days in the industry because they're not selling CDs or DVDs yeah, to, yeah. you know the, the money that comes back with digital kind and of, if this is their full time job uh, you know they've got a, you know got to pay mm. the mortgage so yeah it's tricky be interesting to talk to someone who's doing that um, and like getting their take on it basically you know yeah um, should we get, get into, into that? it yeah so today we um, we had Tom Wisniewski who uh, taught me how to say his name a bit embarrassing that I couldn't say it having listened to his band which is MXPX for so many years. MXPX are basically my favorite band in the world, so uh it was a privilege to have this guy on. We've had we've had the singer Mike on a few years back, so uh this time we had the guitarist Tom uh come Yuri booking Yeah, Yuri who's the drummer if you don't know. Uh will complete the MXPX trio, so we will have to do that at some point in the near future. But for now, here's our chat with Mr. Tom Wisniewski. Okay, uh, so we are joined on the line by uh, Tom from MXPX. Tom, can I just check? This is terrible, because I've been listening to MXPX for about 21 years now, and like, I've, I always thought your name is Wisniewski. Am I pronouncing that right? So close, so close. Oh. Uh, Wis- <laughs> okay. Wisniewski, like Wiz like a wizard, oh. Ness like that... Uh, that- little lock up in scotland and uh yeah key like the thing that opens the door ah man i mean i've only had 21 years to get that right so that that's that's poor form it's it's a rough one how's it going man good how are you man yeah good good so are you are you based in washington state yeah yeah still in bremerton okay nice so it'll be sunday morning for you right now at time of recording it is yeah is it late there i mean we're doing the typical talking across the the world thing like right. what time is it there yeah ma- many of our shows actually do start off this way um it's <laughs> 6 p.m overall oh, okay. so not not crazy late uh yes yeah, so how's it going what have you been up to much this weekend uh band press actually we practiced yesterday and we're practicing in a couple hours got some upcoming shows haven't you i think yeah we have uh, we have a couple shows this weekend uh in denver and san antonio so we're getting ready for that so obviously obviously mike does quite a bit bit um, kind of without you guys these days how do you decide the, I mean kind of what how do you decide which shows you do and don't do kind of is there a is there a formula to that or is it just whatever kind of fits your schedule at that, that time yeah so he did he did a little like a tour or two without us when we got real jobs and all that but uh now it's all if it's mxpx it's going to be me, Mike, Yuri, and then our, our buddy Chris that plays with us now too. So that I mean, I know it's you've 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 done shows in that four piece for quite a while now. Like, I've, so when Mike was doing the All Stars in in the commas, like about I don't know six or seven years ago, has he stopped doing that now? So any shows you're saying is it, if it's MXPX, it's like you three guys plus plus Chris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, there's it's just you know if it's MXPX, it's gonna be all of us, or it's not gonna be going on anymore. And then he does like solo shows, so he'll go out and play like you know acoustic songs and all that. And then I suppose obviously he's got outside of the, the solo stuff. If he's gonna go touring around the world, he'll he'll do that with Goldfinger as well, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, Goldfinger goes around a little bit. We we go too. I mean, like we went to Indonesia a couple years ago and oh, yeah. Japan. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Just matter, just a matter of where we can get to, and yeah, not miss too much work, but uh, it's all good. So, so how do you balance that these days, then, Tom? Is it do you kind of just take take some time off work, kind of work your your your, your leave around around a few kind of runner shows, or exactly? Yeah, I mean, the, where I work, uh, we have a good leave system and all that, and so I just take my leave for shows instead of like you know going on vacations with the family or anything like that. Cool. So, and what what is it you're doing these days then for 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 work? Oh, I work I work at like a navy shipyard fixing boats. Right. But I'm like I'm like in full on middle management. Like I go to meetings all day and stuff, and it's pretty easy. Yeah. Was that I mean was that something that you I guess had ambitions of doing before? Obviously, music became a big thing for you and became you know your your full time career was. I mean, what was the when did that transition into kind of to that career kind of happen and and, and why, uh, i guess yeah it wasn't like it was my ambition or anything it's it's basically it's like the mine or the mill of our town like you know everyone works there 
all our parents work there and you know it's like just one of those things like you know most people in our town work there so it got me eventually <laughs> right okay, and what, what, what does yuri do these days then as well he's working there too is he oh i, right, I yeah. told you i told you like most <laughs> people around here work there so um have, have you lived have you essentially like been in the bremerton area like for for most of your life then as, as yeah as uh so i was born in scotland actually which is you know hey guys oh right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice where about yeah. whereabouts in scotland Dunoon. Dunoon. do you know what that is nick no <laughs> it's kind of all by Hollylock. right okay so uh only lived there for like six months my dad was in the navy and he was a uh, over there on like a work exchange thing with with his boat so uh, then we moved to hawaii after that big change you know right. scotland yeah, to hawaii well, contrast yeah yeah so then we lived there till i was four then moved to washington so for the most part been in washington my whole life what's bremerton like as a town i, I mean personally i've i've been to washington state before and spent some time there but i never made it to bremerton which i probably should have done as a sort of you know huh. pilgrimage to like my to one of my favorite bands but like no yeah what, what's it like it's the typical uh kind of small town america you know like maybe about fifty thousand people and all the chain restaurants you could ever want you know <laughs> right right just typical american town and it's, it's mike based like there and texas now or did he f- like move fully to texas because i know you could see that from his social media and he was on that tv show about the house and stuff like so is yeah he based partly up there with you guys what's, what's the deal with that he's about half and half he's splitting okay. time here okay. and there cool yeah. so i mean i guess Bre- bremerton's where it all started for you as a band i guess what was i mean you was you was quite quite young when you start when you when you got things going with MXPX, right? You were you were still, I guess, a, a teenager, right? So yeah, I mean, five that all came together. Yeah, I mean, there was like a you know the high school band. You know, you got your friends after school. You get in the garage and make some noise. You know, it just happened to be that we kept going out of high school and people wanted us to make records and go on tour and it just kind of kept rolling and all of a sudden it's like twenty five years later and we're still doing it. Well, I, I know you joined the band a little bit after. It, you know after it already existed was the band kind of were people taking notice before you joined or was it after you joined that the you know the sort of the tours begin to have began to happen they'd got they had gotten signed to tooth and nail uh yeah before i was in the band and uh but i mean we were just playing like kind of regionally around like the northwest we weren't you know, our first show in california i went on that one like that was pretty quick after i was in the band but for the most part it was just local kind of like around washington maybe a little bit into like portland or like vancouver bc okay yeah people were people were starting to notice i guess but i mean nothing super serious and it just kind of took off from there we started touring and going around the world you know you actually started touring properly while you were still in high school uh yeah so i mean we would fly out for weekends here and there like my whole senior year i don't think i made it to a full week of school we were always we were always taking off and going places for the weekend and just you know getting back late or whatever but yeah it's it's right after high school so we graduated high school on like a monday shot our first yeah. video on tuesday and went on tour for two months on wednesday nice who was that tour with anyone who still exists or no it was a band called blenderhead they were on tooth okay. nail with us as well but uh right right no it was just it was like you know there were some shows where there was three people kind of thing. it was it was just a real small yeah. thrown together thing were your parents pretty cool with this at this at this time we're still in high school or you, i guess Kind of supporting you, dis- you know, having short weeks at school and disappearing on on the road. And I stuff. mean, yeah, they definitely, they definitely uh, were a bit supportive, like in terms of like you know they they understood that we were doing things we weren't just like screwing off and missing school or anything like that. We were, you know, putting out a record or two, and they understood. And then I think eventually when we ended up on like on the radio or like MTV, they they were like, oh, this this is a real thing. Wow, okay. What was the like the first songs that made it to MTV? Uh, well, it was Chick Magnet that did that yeah. got played on MTV a bunch like way back in like '97. Um, so it was Life in General. Yeah, Life in General era. Yeah, on the radio yeah. around here, there was a song called "Move to Bremerton," and our local radio station, yeah. the big one that played like you know Nirvana and all that stuff. They they started playing that one, and it was just kind of like, oh wow, this is happening. One of those, one of those things too. When you're like a kid, you're driving around and like the song comes on the radio and you like pull over and turn it up and you freak out with your friends, you know. Well, you're saying that as if that's something we can all relate to. I, I can't personally, but I can imagine that was a pretty amazing moment. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like it feels like a movie, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose with, like with life in general, like the songwriting kind of elevated a little bit. Was that was that due to like you know your guys' experience of being in the band for a few years at that point, writing songs, or do you think like that having like an outside producer like 
Was that did that just kind of come together organically? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. Obviously, the production got way better on it. We got a this guy Steve Kravak from down in LA. Yeah, he just yeah, did a yeah. phenomenal job on it. Um, it had to do a lot. I feel like too with the fact that we were on tour. We were playing every night, right? So right, before right, that, yeah, we would yeah. play maybe like Friday and Saturday and then just go do whatever during the week. But now we were playing seven days a week, you know, just we were playing all the time. And it made us just get better as a band and tighter. And it just kind of just snowballed from there. Like you're playing more, so you're getting better, you're getting tighter. And then because you got better and tighter, you can, you know, you start writing more interesting things. And we're seeing more of the world too, just the, the experience of being out on the road. Uh, and and when when was the first time you like you kind of toured outside the U.S.? Oh jeez, uh, fall of '95, we got uh, an offer to go play our first two records, Pokenatch and Teenage Politics, got released in Japan, and okay. the record and the record label that was releasing them over there wanted us to fly over and do a little promotional show, and you know, so we got to go to Japan, which is mind blowing for a bunch of eighteen year olds. And you guys are still pretty big in like relative terms in Japan now, right? Yeah, I mean we want we want to get back and go play over there for sure. But uh yeah, it's been a while, but last time we did was a couple of years ago. We played this festival with like Bad Religion, No Effects, uh Less than Jake, Zebrahead was it was great. I always like watching on YouTube that, that there's that video of um oh, what's the festival called? Is it Summer Sonic or something? When you guys yeah. played that in like two thousand and one, you know, you you know, when you used to come out to um, Babar O'Reilly and then go yeah, straight into yeah, my yeah. life story, like uh, yeah. watching, the, it's a lot of fun watching you guys do that in Japan back in the day, you know. Yeah, that was a crazy festival too. Cause that Summer Sonic is like the really like one of the really big ones ever in Japan for yeah. like international yeah. bands. Like I think, God, who headlined that day? It was like No Doubt and like Rancid and stuff like that. It was, it was in a baseball yeah, stadium yeah. and it was full to the rafters. It was crazy. That's awesome. Do you think, have you got enough, like, kind of a following in Japan still that you could still play that festival, or do you think that was more uh, for that era? Yeah, I don't know about if we'd play that festival. If we went back over, we'd play clubs now. Okay. Yeah, the scene in Japan seems pretty, pretty mad, eh? I've, uh, um, here we've had quite a few few of our guests that come on and, yeah, speak very highly of, of the scene out there and... Um, you know the followings they have out there. Do you, I, do you, do you have guys have a, a booking agent that that hooks hooks all that up for you? Yeah, yeah. So we got we got a agent that, uh, that does all our, our touring and all that, and we work with him to figure out where we want to go, what makes sense, and all that. But yeah, he's he's the guy that runs all that. But yeah, Japan, it's it's crazy fanatical. I was just saying, like I was saying with a uh, Summer Sonic, like there was a baseball stadium full to the rafters, and we played at like noon. I mean, normal shows. You know, I don't know about, like, as far as the festivals in England, I think people are kind of camping there. But, like, normal festivals here, if you want at noon, the place is probably half full, you know, and it, it probably course, looks pretty yeah. Yeah, yeah. crazy. But, I mean, it was it was noon, and there was people's, people all the way to the top of the rafters just going nuts. I, kn- I had no idea uh, baseball was such a big thing in Japan. It's like that big, that's a, like a number one sport there, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's it's huge over there. I've been, so I've been over to Japan a bunch, too, for work, and... uh I've been to go oh, see nice. like uh, some Japanese baseball games, and they're really fun. Like the crowd gets super into it, and they have like these whole cheering sections in the outfield that have these little synchronized chants, and like people ring horns and play them. Oh. It's crazy. Are, are you like a big fan of like the culture in Japan in general? As someone who's been there many times, like yeah, is it absolutely, a fun place to go? absolutely. It's just it's so it's so it's the future for one. I mean, like it's just crazy. Like yeah, as far as like the technology, you, you see it over there, and then a couple years later, you see it in in like America. But, uh, then another five years later, you'll see it in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried it out for you, made sure it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's great. Then, like you know, just the food and the people and all that. It's just, it's just wonderful. I love it over there so much. Have you done much in the way in festivals in in Europe? Yeah, we've done Reading and Leeds a couple oh, okay. times. Uh, then we did a bunch of festivals like Pukel Pop and Pink Pop and stuff like that over in Europe and. There's uh, these ones in Germany called Rock and Ring and Rock and Park, and it's just yeah. these big oh, you've you know, done gigantic Rock festivals. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think. There was one in Belgium we played in like, Metallica were the headliner of the night. It was just crazy. Like I'm standing <laughs> side stage, and like, Metallica is just out there playing. I'm like, this, this is nuts. Like High school me would have yeah. lost his mind. So I guess going back to like the earlier days, I mean, when was it that you kind of were able to... Obviously, you left high school, and you're still very much like, working hard at it and touring i mean at what point did you kind of 
it, it become it, like sink in that you know actually this is going to be your full time full time thing for you like moving moving out of home and and setting up kind of yourself. When, when did that kind of become kind of doable for you? Well, I mean, the thing with that is, you know, with what we do, we travel around so much and we're gone all the time that there was years where I probably could have moved out, but I was home for maybe a month out of the year. So. Right really no point right, yeah i mean i lived yeah, i lived yeah. at home with my parents till i was 25 right. just because i was always gone right yeah yeah nice to get looked after as well when you're home and resting yeah all the touring as well i bet <laughs> well i mean it was crazy too when i'd come home because by the time i'd wake up my parents would be at work and then i'd go out and meet up with the guys and go band practice and hang out and then by the time i came home they were asleep so for for a few years like i just saw my parents on the weekends and it was like i had a roommates had to be quiet around during the day and i suppose if you had moved out like and we were paying rent and you were only there one month a year it would have been like wasting money really absolutely yeah it just would have been it didn't make a lot of sense and we just like said i swear like we were always living like i probably lived in la more than i lived in bremerton for a couple of years just because right. we'd be down there recording right. or something for a few months and right you know living on a tour bus going around living in hotels and on planes modern day traveler um let's let's take it up until go after life in general and like jump into slowly going the way of the buffalo because i know you know we don't have to go into it too much because you know it was a difficult era in times of relations with your record label if i'm not mistaken oh yeah i mean we ended up getting off tooth and nail because it wasn't like a personal thing we didn't like like right hate the guy but i mean like we just we were talking about uh we'd be out on tour when life in general came out and people would be coming to us at shows saying like dude like we want to buy your record but we can't find it anywhere and we'd talk to the label they're like we're trying to print more right now we're trying you know it just it was one of those things where it just kind of took off and uh they they were having a hard time keeping up right and they didn't have much in the way of international distribution it was just it was kind of like one of those things where it seemed like it was kind of time to maybe go to something that was a little more bigger and established uh and you know we did obviously it made it you know rough with them because they wanted to keep us on label and they were like we can do it right, and we're like right. you're not though and it just yeah it got you know we were we were tight buds and it, it kind of it obviously strange relationship and you know ended up making it all weird but at first it wasn't like uh we want to leave because we hate you and all that it was just like we need to go have better support for what we do yeah and i suppose probably they surely they reflected on that when that you know I guess when that relationship ended and probably self-reflected a little bit and kind of realized that, you know, that probably was the best thing for you as you guys as a band, you know? Well, I presume so, because you came, you came back to them, didn't you, like se- several years later? We did, yeah. We did a bunch of years later. And they obviously, uh, you know, I mean, Tooth Nail was still a young label growing and all that. So it was, mm. it was hard for them to... It's not the kind of thing you can just do overnight. Like, uh, I had a good story about when Offspring Smash came out and was selling huge uh, Epitaph was already a pretty yeah. well-established label. But they had to hire a bunch more people and, like, take out loans to, like, basically front the money to go make, you know, millions and millions of records because it's just, like, they had, you know, they had the support system to sell, you know, a couple hundred thousand records. But when it got to that point where it was that big, it was just, like, you know, they had to really kind of figure out, like, how do we keep up with this thing? Because the record was going to sell. They just had to get it out there. Yeah, yeah friends of mine had talked about they they wouldn't work there and just they were stuffing envelopes with like cds or like you know they were just filling boxes and sending them to stores and just you know it was, it was kind of all hands on deck i suppose the distribution the distribution uh, business is uh pretty pretty important back then compared to how it is now really isn't it uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean now you uh part of the business back then like but yeah now you got it to where you know like something like macklemore he puts out a record on a uh, on his own and it gets on youtube and People watch it a bunch, and it just kind of takes off because you can sell it all digitally, and it's just yeah, it's a completely different thing now. I mean, when did when did you start? When did you guys start kind of noticing that? And how did, did I mean? Did that change anything anything for you as a band? And I know Mike's really obviously does it. Has always been really um, into the kind of digital uh, marketing side of things, and in terms of the band. But when did you start? I mean, is there anything that you you guys kind of changed up or is there a particular moment that you noticed that that things were starting to change yeah i mean there was like a probably early 2000 uh we had finished recording the air passing moment but it wasn't out yet and somehow yeah. it got leaked onto like napster or whatever file sharing thing you know yeah and yeah. uh i remember people coming up to us on our tour that spring 
and they'd have like burned CDs where just like MXPX, they ever passed a moment, like scribbled on it with a Sharpie. And I was like, what is this? And they were asking for us to sign it. And they're like, I love your new record. It's so great. Can you please sign this? I'm like, doesn't even come out for three months. How do you have this? What the oh, hell? But like, yeah. they were just like, look, I just couldn't help it. I saw it there. I had to get it. I love you guys so much. And it was like, I never, I never got mad about that stuff because, you know, the people are downloading it because they like your music and they're supporting yeah, you. Like, right. And it yeah. may not be like a financial support like the old record label kind of model was, but they're still supporting and they still, you know, bottom line, they love your band and they just want to hear more music. And, you know, I can't fault them. I, I want to hear my favorite bands more, you know? Yeah. But disheartening for you guys at the same time, you know, that you're just seeing, seeing that music leaked and, you, I guess, profits, I guess, uh, you know. I mean bands never really make their money off of selling the records until it becomes like a really big seller mm. for the most part bands make their money off of selling t-shirt shows and playing shows and getting paid for those so to us it wasn't like a, a huge hit it was more like the record labels and the record industry kind of took a really big hit yeah but they've been living high on the hog forever, so whatever. <laughs> I t can I just take a moment? Just to, I just want to talk about Ever Passing Moment. I'm not just saying this because you're on the line, but that's like one of my favorite albums of all time. Just because okay. you know, like the time I got into it, blah blah blah. I think I was like 18, 17 when it came out. Like just you know, when I was first getting into you guys, and because it, it's one of those records, I just think the, the sound on that record is kind of unique because there's kind of like an Elvis Costello vibe a little bit and just every every song on that album that I remember at the time I just think you know everyone's a banger but uh obviously that was with Jerry Finn as well who's obviously yeah has legendary status just can, can you just tell yeah. me a little bit what it was like working with him uh Jerry was great so Jerry came and saw us when we were on tour uh we came through LA maybe you know 1998 time early 98 yeah. and uh he came and hung out and we had met some other producers along the way and uh they usually come say hi before the show. Then after the show, they were nowhere to be seen, right? They just, like, disappear. Right. Uh, Jerry came, and we talked to him before the show, and he seemed cool. And we obviously knew who he was and, like, what he'd worked on. So we were we were stoked to meet him just because we are like, oh, my God, you worked on Dookie. This is incredible, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we come off stage, and we go back after the show, and he's there hanging out still. And he's chatting us up, and he's talking to us about, like, particular songs we were playing and, like, things he heard. And we are just like, wow, like, this guy actually kind of gets it, and he cares. And... He's, he was just a really, really cool, fun guy. Like, I loved hanging out with him, and it was it was an easy choice to uh, have him do the record. We were just like, okay, yeah, we definitely want this guy to do it. You know, this makes sense. If he's into it, my God, this would be great. And he was into it. We went and spent a summer down in L.A. recording with him, and this was this was right... The time we were recording with him was right when uh, Anima of the State had come out, and he yeah. had produced that, yeah. like, the summer before. Of course. And it was just blowing up all over the world, and we'd go out and see Blink play at, like, Warp Tour or something like that, and, you know, just, like, seeing just, like, the crowd go. I mean, they already went nuts for Blink before, but it was, like, a whole nother level. Of course, yeah. And so, yeah, it was that summer recording with him. We were down in L.A., and it was the first time we ever did a record where we had scheduled days off, so we actually had, like, Sundays off to go hang out and just tool around Hollywood. And We had oh, this old it. 1970 Impala convertible we'd rented for the time we were down there. Just, right. Like, the four of us just driving around, cruising in this like you know just like beat up old car just it was awesome it was a great summer presumably that's what um that that song that came a couple of albums later kings of hollywood's probably referencing those days 100 100 that's what that's about <laughs> right, it's about right. that summer nice so did, did jerry finn like did he have like quite a bit of an input in in those songs and like give you like new ideas with some structures and stuff like because uh, there's a, a, little a notable bit. change in sound at that point yeah i mean that also had to do a lot with us like uh we had we had bound out elvis costello was amazing and you know like obviously his songwriting right, is kind of kind of a distinct and there's definitely some some bits on there where we'd play it and we're like oh this totally sounds like elvis costello rad you know we got all amped on that yeah um yeah. jerry was more like about getting good performances and good sounds and like he was an engineer originally and so he was he had that okay, stuff on lock okay. like he had that really locked down um yeah. little things here and there like production wise as far as like you know like oh maybe throw some backups in here or like drop out here and that but uh not really like overall song structure that was uh that was kind of like us on that one we did that a lot of that and okay we do a lot of that work like usually when we're in the garage practicing before the uh records and all that we spent months just like wood shedding out in yuri's mom's garage for a long time just banging it out nice well um looking back what are some of your favorite songs from that from that album hmm. I'm trying to think 
we were practicing yesterday and we played educated guests and that one's always been Did kind you of a really? Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you guys play that before. Uh, we, we played it occasionally here and there, but I mean, we're definitely, right. we were we were doing a transition out of one song into another, and I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we did this, and Yuri starts kicking on the kick, and then we bust into it, and it's, it was one of those things, it just, it flowed, we all looked at each other like, yeah, that totally worked, awesome. We got nice. all excited for a sec. Well, I mean, what is your, your kind of work uh, writing process like then? Is it very much a... Like an all hands on deck collaborative thing, or I mean, is it you know? Do you might go away and bring things to the table? And I guess has, uh, that, has that changed over the years at all? Or? No, that's pretty much stayed the same. So Mike writes the songs, so he'll go off and he'll you know strum it out and you know yeah. find the chords and the words and all that. And then when he comes in, sometimes he'll come in and he'll be like, "Hey, this is how it goes. Do this, this," and we'll kind of run through it, and it'll just work right away. We'll be like, "Well, that was easy. You know, like that one. That one worked really well right off the bat." Sometimes he'll come in and we'll be like, Hey, it's like this. And then we'll kind of start playing it. It's not really vibing so well. And we'll like, you know, change things up here and there. And like, you know, maybe like, like a song, like responsibility. The chorus was originally the bridge. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm still young bit. Yeah. That was, uh, the bridge. I don't know where the bridge was, but I know the chorus, the responsibility. What's that? That was, uh, yeah, that music and that singing was originally the bridge. I think it was, that one changed a lot. Over, oh, I see. Over, okay, like, you know, a few months of us playing it. So, um, I guess fast forward a little bit then, really, in terms of um, you personally, and obviously you kind of you, you and Yuri kind of making the decision to um, to kind of step away a little bit and kind of move kind of more part time with um, MXPX. I mean, wh- what what was the defining kind of factor and moment uh, of that? Uh, just one of those things where like we were starting to tour a little less and we were home more and, you know, just needing to pay the bills and all that. It was, it was like, Hey, you know, probably need to get a real job here. And like I said, since the, uh, the shipyards, like the minor, the mill of our town, you know, it's, uh, one of those things where, you know, it kind of, it made sense. It was right here. And then it actually, I sat down and talked to my dad about it one day and he's like, I know you don't want to hear this, but, uh, if you want to live around here and you want to make some decent money, you go to the shipyard, you still got leave, you can go out on the weekends and play shows and all that. And mm. It just, uh, it actually has worked out really well. And I'm, I'm actually, I remember the first day I drove into the place, I was driving there at like, you know, six in the morning thinking like, oh my God, am I just making the worst mistake of my life right now? What am I doing? But uh, it worked out and it's actually been really awesome and I'm super happy That's that good. I did it. Did, yeah. did did you and Yuri literally kind of make that decision around the same time? Did you or so a bit? We'd, we did make the decision around the same time, but independent of each other, which is funny because uh, right. I had uh, I had gone through and started working towards getting in there, and I got an interview, and they called me up and said, hey, we want to offer you a job. And so working there, it's like, we want to offer you a job, but we can't get you in for a few months. So I called the band. I was like, hey, just FYI, I'm getting a job. I'm going off and doing this. Uh, still want to do as much as I can, but obviously it's going to change things a little bit. And everyone understood, obviously. Uh but then Yuri, while we were talking, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm getting a job there, too. And, like, you know, I actually just got offered a job, too. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, we didn't, we didn't even talk to each other about it. It just right. kind of worked out that way. Wow. And then fast forward a few months when we actually uh, actually got in and got uh, into the place. And there's, like, a whole, like, kind of, like, indoctrination, like, a kind of week-long thing you go through that shows you, like, kind of how things work there and, like, you know, what, what you do and what you can expect and all that. And, uh Yuri and I actually went through that together, which <laughs> was funny. Like we're sitting, we're sitting in this classroom together, and I've known Yuri since like second grade. Yeah. So it was pretty funny to be back in a classroom with Yuri again. I suppose all, all your other colleagues as well are like, you know, you go through that that first couple of weeks of a new job where you know it's a bit uncomfortable with like people you don't know and kind of that kind of you know stating your place in the whole dynamic of a group, and <laughs> you've got a. Yeah, you've got a guy you've literally like shared, like yeah, like, <laughs> like my years. whole life. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How did I mean? How did Mike Mike kind of take it initially? Then was he? Are you so supportive? Um, was was he? Did he kind of expect it? Or obviously, I don't know if he. I don't know if he expected it, but he was definitely supportive. Because I mean, like he understood, and it wasn't like I was doing it because I was like, I hate you, I'm leaving. It was just like, hey, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go do this, this to take care of the mortgage and all that, you know. And, Everyone understood. Well, was it? I mean, it, was it hard? Obviously, you you now obviously got a, an agreement where you you know you you do your shows together. But was it was it hard to watch watch Mike kind of plowing up plowing on with his thing and 
Um, no, because we talked about it. It wasn't like he was off just doing it, and like all of a sudden I saw a bunch of shows pop up and all that. I mean, I knew everything that was going on, and I still played like even during the All Star years. Like if there were shows around Washington or maybe like a flyout show somewhere that it yeah, worked out, I would yeah. still go play those. But it, just, it wasn't as much, and I think for a while he was out trying to do it, uh, you know, with other people on his own kind of thing. And he just, he told me one day, like, you know, we were hanging out and we still hung out throughout it too. Like we'd just be like around town, like let's grab beer, you know? And, uh, he told me on point, he's like, you know, it's just like, it's obviously not the same, but he's like, it's just really not the same. Like, he's like, like, I miss having you guys out there with me and it just, it flows a lot better that way. And just kind of came to the part where it was like, so let's just do this all the time. Like, Yuri had, Yuri had pulled back a little bit too and he was kind of like he was having to say no to shows and he was just like guys you know I just I feel really bad saying no all the time and then we played a local show and he actually wasn't playing with us at the time and uh, okay. he actually he texted us he's like hey is it cool if I get on the list and Mike and I were like why is Yuri asking to get on the list this is his <laughs> band <laughs> you know and so I jokingly I jokingly told Mike I said all right we text him back. We say, you're only allowed to come to the show if you play. And so he obviously, he was like, yeah, I could do that. You know, we're like, yeah, of course you should. What the hell? It's your band. Like, yeah. it was one of those things where it just like, that was one of the times when it was just like, okay, yeah, this really, it it can happen with other people, but it makes the most sense with the three of us, you know? Do you, do you ever look back at like, I suppose, particularly around the early 2000s and just think, you know, you got guys deserve to be, I mean, obviously you're a hugely successful band with a big legacy, but like, do you ever like look at some of those contemporaries who went on to be really big and think, oh, that 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 should have been us as well? I don't know about looking at it and thinking should have. You know, like I don't, right, you know, right. I don't think like anyone, oh, they they, they stole our spot or anything like that. It's more like a, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like a thing of like, wow, it could have been. We were right at like the cusp of that being like, you know, the summer before Blink blew up and released End of the State. You know, we were touring together yeah. and playing for like 2,000 people a night and it was pretty much a co-headliner. It was like, it was just, those guys were really good buddies that we sure. played shows with over the years and hung out with like, between tours, like, you know, Mark would call me up and say like, hey man, I don't got anything going on for two weeks. What are you up to? And he'd come stay with me at my parents' house and go watch us record, come to our shows, and he'd help carry gear and everything. Just, they're just our buds, you know? So it's like, we were at that point with all of us bands where like, again, like I don't, think it was like i was like oh we we're due this but it was we're all right there and it could have happened to any of us you know and so you know it obviously didn't happen to the same level as like blink or something like that but i mean we still did really well we still go out and play shows for you know a couple thousand people on the weekends and have a great time doing it still put out records and still feel really good about them and like like our latest record i'm so amped on like i still i mean it's been out for almost a couple years now but i'm still like Whenever I hear songs off it, or whenever we, whenever we play songs off it, I get so excited. Yeah. What's your favorite song to play off that one? Uh, probably "Rolling Strong," the first song. Yeah. Just I love think, that one. Yeah. It's got a it's got a good vibe. It starts with a uh, Mike just ripping on the bass, you know, and like us feeding back, and then it just starts kicking. It's just a song about us, just still rolling strong, still keeping on doing it. You know. Have you have you got any uh, any any immediate kind of plans for? For any new material or any releases or anything you're working on, or uh, we've been releasing a bunch of songs like to go along with shows and things like that, and like we're playing in Salt Lake City in a couple oh, of months. Yeah, yeah. We'll release a, a cover of a Dwarves song because we were, we were thinking of something to do. Like, what could we do that'd be funny to go along with the Salt Lake City show? And then like someone was like, "Hey, what about that Dwarves song?" And it was like, "Oh my god, perfect!" <laughs> and so we jumped in the studio and we recorded it real quick, and we got couple of the girls from bad cop bad cop sing on it with us yeah. and it just yeah, like cool. it just it worked out and it just came together and it was awesome where it's like oh this is funny like we'll we'll announce this this uh show in salt lake city by saying we're not going to salt lake city right <laughs> pretty funny and i suppose yeah you had like last year there was the atari's cover and i think no yeah effect, you did no effects cover as well like uh yeah, yeah. yeah we've, we've been doing a lot of that stuff lately and it's been really fun it's just like one-offs you know release them just like hey surprise world here's a here's a new song right yeah no that was a, that was a nice valentine's day surprise the other week <laughs> you that cover. Uh, but yeah keep those coming before before uh, you do a you know a next proper release for sure definitely hopefully we'll be covering some british band announcing we're coming to england that'd be cool yeah that that would be yeah that'd be very cool i mean have have you got got ambitions obviously you you say you work around your work in life as a i mean is there any plans or any, I mean, 
any you know any thoughts on kind of going a bit further and wider and definitely i mean there's nothing uh there's nothing confirmed that i can announce or anything but uh we're always bouncing things around and we're always talking and there's always things that are coming together sometimes they fall apart sometimes they actually make it through so there's a lot going on and a lot we're planning and I'm excited. Is there any, uh, I mean, any bands that have, that have stuck out over the years that you've toured with that you would love to, love to get back on on the road with? Uh, speaking could? of touring in England, we uh, we did a co-headliner with Less Than Jake over there, and oh yeah, that was a great time. Yeah, that was a, that was a while back now. I remember that. Yeah, it was like early 2000s. Yeah, you guys were always a blast to hang out with too. It's just like we've been super good friends with those guys for years. So yeah, it's one of those things where you know when we saw them over. In Japan for a festival, we played with them. It was just, it was such a great time. We were so excited just to see them and, and hang out. And then we also got to play a show. And it was just like, on top of it, it made right. it even better. When you came over with them, was that was that your first time? Was that your first time back in the UK since obviously being born here? No, no, no. We'd, we'd come back a bunch. Did you, tour, did you tour in the 90s over here? Or was that, or was it the 2000s, the first time you made it over? Uh, I'm trying to think exactly when the first time we played in england was i want to say it was probably 98 because we were on tour with bad no that that tour was all europe we did a tour with bad religion in europe in 1998 yeah. but it was just all in like mainland europe okay. God, i can't remember the first time we came to england honestly but then yeah of course like obviously mike's been here a few times but yeah you guys were here a few times throughout the 2000s it was like the starting line tour i remember and then yeah the, t- the tour you brought like punchline and the get go over as well i remember that one yeah yeah yeah, yeah those so... are those are always fun it was, it was a good time i mean like the the british the, cl- the club shows are really fun too because like you know like you put all these like carling academies and all that it was actually funny speaking yeah. of uh and speaking of newcastle so we we're in newcastle playing carling academy and before the show started i was talking to the bartender and i was like oh dude we're in newcastle let me get a newcastle and he looks at me and goes yeah. mate this place is sponsored by Carling. We don't have any of that here. I'm like, what? How do you not have it in Newcastle? He's like, there's a pub right across the street. They got it, man. I'm like, sorry, I got to go over there. I had to have a Newcastle in Newcastle, you know? Weird thing is, though, like, New- if you have a Newcastle, I don't know if you know this, Nick, but if you have a Newcastle in America, because it's from a different brewery, it tastes really different to when you have it in Newcastle. I don't know if you noticed that when you had one, Tom. But it's oh, like, wow. Uh... No, I, I didn't really notice. But yeah, was, that was one of the beers that I drank way back in, like I was just like, oh, Newcastle Brown Ale. I like this stuff. It's good. Well, I'm sad to tell you that Newcastle Brown Ale isn't actually brewed in Newcastle anymore either. Yeah, they, they stopped that a few years ago. Yeah, <laughs> closed down all the breweries and now they become like student accommodation. Oh uh, well. So there you go. It's probably brewed. It's probably who knows where it's brewed now. Like probably somewhere like Stoke or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Awesome. So you're saying you've got you've got band practice in a couple of hours, right? You're going to yeah, actually, uh, pretty soon here. I gotta get a get up and get cool. going at it. But uh, we're not keeping definitely. You... Uh, what what does that kind of band practice look like for you guys? Then just just you know thrashing out it's a yeah, potential so set we're list. Working, or? We're working. Well, we're working on a new cover right now that I can't talk about until we release it. But we're working on a new one of those right now to go okay. with some shows. Uh, and then yeah, it's just like uh, so we have the set list and we play and there's some songs we play like every show, right? But then we try to mix it up as much as we can. So usually band practice will be, you know, maybe a day or two before or a week before. Mike or like Chris or me will will text each other and be like, hey, what about this song? And so everyone will kind of go listen to and remember how to play whatever song we're working on. And so a lot of practice will start with that too, where we'll kind of like fumble through a song we haven't played for like a decade and see if it sounds good still and like you know do do different things and change it up and we kind of have a a rule that like when we're doing these songs we maybe haven't played for a long time if uh if we want to do it a little different than the record that's totally fine that's like we're all about it like we want to change it up and make it something that like you know it can sound the best and maybe a newer version of it and get people excited like wow i've never heard it that way that's awesome so yeah a lot of practice is spent working on new songs to throw into the set to keep it fresh and not just because like you know we play the same songs for everyone and people get bored but for us too you know we just we have a million songs and you know we want to play a bunch of different ones yeah of course yeah gotta keep it fresh 
Um, yeah. When you go to practice, uh, tell Mike uh, the Wasting Time podcast says hi. I don't know if he'll remember us, but we we we've oh, he done him a few times. So yeah, he he's actually done it um, in person. This was a few years hey. ago, and we've 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 met up for beers since then. But it has been a while. So awesome. Yeah, if you say Chris from London says says hi, he might he, he might he might remember. But <laughs> I'll remember. I'll, I'll no, say something. Never mind, Mike. Yeah, we need yeah. to be going after Yuri now, Chris. Really? Yeah, that's true. Uh, to to <laughs> complete the yeah. uh, get the full sale. <laughs> Yeah, you got to hit up Yuri now. Full lineup. Yeah, cool. Well, I guess we'll we'll let you uh, we'll let you get to it. I guess really, Tom. Um, awesome, man. But yeah, really appreciate um, yeah the time you've given us, yeah. and uh, we'll get good this to out. talk yeah, to you guys, man. Awesome. I'd love to I'd love to get back over there and come hang out and play some shows. It'd be awesome. Yeah, fingers Can't crossed. Sure. Yeah, we'd Seriously. love to see you. Yeah, we'll, we'll Seriously, look out for that for sure. Nice All right, one. man. Um, have a good practice, and thanks, thanks so much again. Cheers. All right, cheers All right, have a great one. Bye. Cheers. You too. All right, bye. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you could subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any, anywhere like that. Um, also, check us out on social media. If, if you just search for Wasting Time Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, give us a like or a follow on any of those. And also, we love hearing from listeners as well. So um, feel free anytime to drop us an email at the wasting time podcast at gmail.com or obviously you can message us on social media as well but um yeah we'll catch you next time for you to arrive